Hello, and welcome back to The King's Heir. Chapter 16 I blinked against the bright whiteness of the space I'd been cast into. It was a strange place, with no discernible floor, walls, or ceiling. Just unending whiteness. I turned in a circle, looking for any sign of another being, but found none. The quiet of this place was unnerving. Breathe, Oseo. Roshin's voice calmed me instantly. It'll be over soon. They'll understand. Oseo Priya. I turned, startled to find a person behind me. Their voice and physical features were neither male nor female, yet they were beautiful. I am called Fate. Typically, the three kings of the realms conduct this trial but I don't believe it's necessary. I wasn't sure what to say to them, so I chose to bow instead. Tell me, boy, why did you do it? Fate spoke softly. I honestly didn't do it on purpose, I admitted. It just happened. I didn't want to see Artia die. Did you know that you could naturally manipulate time before today? Fate looked at me with curiosity. No, I had no idea I could do something of that magnitude. I answered honestly. How did you feel when you first realized what you'd done? Their silver eyes studied me intently. Scared? I admitted. I didn't want to go to trial, but... My fear of losing my family was worse. Now that you know you can do it, they stepped towards me. Would you hesitate to do it again? Of course. I allowed their advance. Time isn't something to be messed with. I understand that. Just as I understand that anything I did today that goes against your design will be undone. He intentionally moved around me mocking me as he would walk by my frozen state. When I stepped in to save Artia, the image vanished, and I turned to see fate grinning at me. Your actions corrected the alterations in time that had been accomplished by that mage. Their smile widened. You reset the timeline, and thus committed no wrong. Promise me one thing, young prince. Yes, anything. My heart was racing. I was going to escape without punishment. Do not try to change the past. Fate's smile morphed into a hard line. The transgressions that have happened are important. Without them, the realms would once again forget the value of balance. Are you giving me permission to use my ability? I was confused. Altering time was the worst offense possible. You are far more special than you understand, Oseo. Fate smiled once again. I have given you the same abilities as the very first fairy king. He did not use them wisely, and the court had to step in and remove him from his throne. His actions created a chain of events that wreaked havoc in your realm. After three hundred years, your world is finally ready to start over. 
and you will lead them into that new life of peace, Osail. My father is the one who reunited the people of Earth. I was even more confused. He's the one leading them into peace. Fate shook her head. His job was to heal the world. Yours is to create it anew. When your father is ready to surrender the throne to you, you will have grown from a reckless boy into a fearless leader who cares deeply for the people of his realm. As for altering time, I am not giving you permission to change it at your leisure, but there may come an instance where you once again need to repair it. As you have experienced today, there are those in your realm who do not respect the flow of nature. You need to go back now and help your family rescue all of those poor creatures who were affected by that man. Before I could ask another question, fate shoved me through another rift. I stumbled backwards onto the balcony behind the group as they watched Artia carry me away. Seeing myself was a strange sensation, to say the least. I clapped my hands together, effectively scaring all of them. I have been labeled as innocent. Dad pushed past everyone and scooped me up in a hug. Don't ever do anything that's stupid again. No promises. I laughed as I hugged him back. Fate says we need to hurry up and get these people rescued, so let's go. Just a second. Mom strode over to the unconscious man that I had honestly completely forgotten about at this point. Tell me about him. He's the one that did all of this. I shrugged. He said Cyprian Prim was his dad. Dad looked confused as he pushed his glasses up on his nose and joined his wife. I was amused to watch him roll the man over with his toe, shock registering on both their faces. It can't be. Alfred excitedly joined the gawking session. Let me see. Is that Joseph Verk? Certainly looks like him, Torkin added. I think we should put him in one of these cells until he wakes up. I'm interested in his story. My father nodded and levitated Joseph's body, taking him back through the balcony doors. I was glad he was gone. I wasn't sure how I was going to explain Crushout to him. I grabbed Mom and Emily and explained the dragon situation to them. They quickly descended the stairs, triggering the beast's eruption from the earth. They worked to remove the foreign energies from the once great dragon's body. I returned his corpse to the earth so his kin could provide him with a proper burial as my father returned to the area. When Mother told him about Crushaw, he sobbed over the loss of his friend. At least he didn't have to see his once friendly familiar fuming with the undead energy. I wished I could take away his pain and bring the creature back, but I remembered fate's words. The transgressions that happened here were important. I felt that I could trust in fate enough that Crushaw hadn't died in vain. I made my way over to Azazel's body and pulled the sword from him. Emily, come break this thing down. It has soul fragments in it. Artia landed next to me, ready to accept her share of the fragments. Something like this is better off destroyed anyway. Emily drew her wand and set to work. I agree. I wonder who made this thing anyway. As the metal smelted back into a solitary chunk of steel, the soul fragments were released. Artia caught her too with ease, and Roisin came to me willingly. A strange, dark green aura was also released. 
I stared at it in confusion. It's the charm, Emily stated. Without the original caster present, we can't really get rid of it. I'll take it, I offered. At least then it will die with me. My father stepped up. No, living with a charm like that would be a burden no one could bear. Place it on this stone. He held up an orange stone that I recognized as carnelian, a stone known for naturally neutralizing magic. That's a brilliant idea, I smiled. Artia used her magic to push the charm into the rock. The gem glue bright with its power for a few seconds before shattering. Father let the pieces fall into the sand and dusted off his hands. Now, he smiled happily, let's get these people out of here. It took us hours to get everyone out of the lab. Many who were held in the general barracks were weak from the lack of nourishment or experimentation. Several non-sentient creatures, such as the Griffith or the Pegasus, we found were hard to contain. We wanted to be sure they found their way home instead of wandering aimlessly in an unfamiliar land. I'd had to make some stone cages for them until we were able to shut down the lab and make a portal. The sun was starting to set by the time Mr. Barnes came through the balcony doors to let us know the manual override console had been repaired. I offered to go shut the thing down so that Father could stay and start helping people get home. Just set your hands on the globe and release some of your energy, Mr. Barnes instructed as we entered the central office. I did as he said, and the console lit up with a woman's face. She looked a bit like Dad, but with long hair. I remembered seeing her in my history books during school. I guess the machine recognized me as my great-grandmother. Suddenly, her image vanished, and the lights went off. I held up my hand and produced a ball of fire, sending it above us to light the way as we walked. When we returned to the training field, Carlin, Esta, Lena, and Mora had rejoined the group. Father and Nail, Artia, and Carlin all held open portals for the healthy people to step through and return to their homes. Esta, Torkin, Trift, and Alfred had set about helping the sick and injured. Mr. Barnes joined their effort immediately, as did I. We were almost finished when a nail stopped a small demon that looked like a fawn with a wicked snake-like tail and a broken horn. The creature was obviously struggling from not having its own soul in its body. She smiled at it kindly. You have a few things that don't belong to you, little one. Wait a moment, and we'll make you whole again. After the last person was sent home or to a hospital near their home, we headed back through the lab. The vampires had already been evacuated, but we still needed to get Cliff and then blow the place up. Alfred and I opened the hangar door, and the great dog bounded out into the open, rolling wildly. His thrashing limbs tossed sand high into the air as he fought to remove the smell of his captivity. I calmed him, and Triff distracted him by scratching his ear as Torkin did the honor of pulling the detonation cord. A countdown started, and everyone raced to a vehicle. I climbed onto the bandersnatch and told him to follow the trucks. We were half to way to town when the mountain blew. I had never been so happy to see something explode. Before we got into town, Mr. Barnes stopped his SUV, letting my father out. He said it wouldn't be wise to bring Cliff into town, and I agreed. He opened a portal to the palace, and I instructed the Bandersnatch to go through it. 
He was hesitant, but ultimately obeyed. The sun was rising in the mountains. Uncle Burke stood in the middle of the freshly redone Grand Drive, looking at the palace and enjoying his likely third cup of coffee. Sneak up and lick him, I whispered in Cliff's ear. It was amazing how quiet the ginormous beast could be. It was even more amazing how high of an octave Uncle Burke's voice could reach. I nearly fell from Cliff's back from laughing so hard after the man shrieked in terror. Make sure he gets fed, I ordered as I slid down Cliff's shoulder. I'll be back later today, or maybe tomorrow. What exactly am I supposed to feed him? Burke patted Cliff's muzzle, a look of apprehension on his face. A cow? I don't know. Whatever livestock he'll eat. I walked backwards with my hands out wide, popping back through my father's portal and then hopping into the cramped SUV. I leaned my head back and relaxed for the first time since I'd come to this awful desert. I felt around my soul and gently embraced Roisin. It won't be long until I really get to hold you. I'm excited to be in my own body again, she admitted. It's been years. I don't even really remember what it feels like. I can't imagine what hell you went through. I tried to give her as much warmth as I could, hoping she understood it as my love for her. In response, she sent a wave of warmth coursing through my own body. I smiled, not really caring if any of them saw. Osail, my mother was gently shaking me. Wake up. We're back. I hadn't even realized I'd fallen asleep. Where's Trift? I noticed instantly that he wasn't near me. He went to find Rika. Seve told me as I rubbed the sleep from my eyes. I stretched, stifled a yawn, and climbed out the SUV's third row seat, patting Mr. Barnes's shoulder. Thank you for your help today. We couldn't have done it without you. He smiled at me through the rearview mirror. I was just happy I got to watch that place explode. Good night, young prince. Good night. I gave him a genuinely warm smile and left the vehicle. Enail gently guided the lesser demon into my room with the unconscious Fay, and Father shoved Joseph Virk into his own room for further interrogation. Torkin looked like he was going to enjoy the endeavor, rubbing his hands together excitedly as Seve closed the door. Artilla placed Anthony's soul into his body and removed the fragment that belonged to the demon. He was happy to give up Anthony's last fragment in order to get a piece of himself back. Anthony's chest rose and he stirred, rubbing his eyes as he sat up, feeling his own body again. Tears welled up into his eyes instantly and he hugged himself. Artilla was about to pull the demon soul from the other woman's body when she stopped and turned to me. She wants to say goodbye to her parents. I don't see any harm in that. I spoke honestly. Do you, Anale? She'll be in great pain, but otherwise no, the demon offered. I'll get the potions from Alfred. I sprinted from the room. To my relief, they were still there, though they had just finished packing when I got to their room. Alfred handed over the box of medicine and wished me well. They wanted to go home. Artia placed the woman's soul in her body and removed the demons. Once again, he was happy to make the trade. 
The face shuddered from the pain of her lost mate, and I poured a vial into her mouth. She sat up in much the same fashion as Anthony, feeling her body again for the first time in years. I instructed her on how to take the medicine and gave her my phone number. She was to text me when she was ready to leave this life behind. Thank you for all your help, Anthony. I shook his hand. I wish we'd been able to bond in another fashion, but that link you made was vital to helping us resolve all of this. He laughed and nodded. Yeah, not everyone can say they slit the prince's throat and gained him as a friend. Nope, you are one of a kind. I gave him my number as well. I had a feeling we would be seeing more of each other. Anthony. Artia spoke slowly, her eyes alight with power. There truly is no way to erase what you've gone through. But as a token of fate's remorse for Mr. Verk's actions, I've been given permission to fix your paralysis. Is that something you would like? He buried his face in his hands and nodded through his tears. The angel set her hands on his legs, allowing her energy to flow into him. His whole body lit up with her golden aura as she worked to repair his damaged nerves. After a few minutes, she pulled away from him and urged him to stand. He was ecstatic when his legs responded to him, thanking her profusely, even hugging her, before he left through the portal a nail made for him. Artia then turned to me. Well, are you going to put her back where she belongs or not? Um, how do I do that, exactly? I asked. I wasn't nearly as good with souls as my father was. I can do it if you'd like, the angel asked sweetly. I didn't really want her to touch Roisin, but she could get her home faster than I could, so I agreed. As Artia pulled my mate's soul from me, I fought the violent urge to attack her. I felt like she was ripping my own soul from my chest in the process. I definitely would not have been able to do this myself. I took Roisin's cold hand in my own and watched intently as Artia transferred my mate's life source into her body and traded the demon for the remaining piece of her soul. As Roisin settled into her body and she took her first breath, my attraction to her became a tether. I couldn't take my eyes off her, eagerly searching her face for more signs of life. I found myself inching closer to her until I was sitting on the edge of the bed, cupping her face with my free hand. As her beautiful green eyes fluttered open, my heart skipped a beat and I whimpered. I wanted to kiss her so badly it hurt. I've been given permission to grant her hearing, O'Sale. I barely heard Artia's words. You need to leave. All of you. I spoke softly, never taking my eyes off my mate. This is the conclusion of Chapter 16. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you come back for the next episode.